Welcome to episode 15 of Massive Attack. Welcome to my world mini-episodes. I'm Joe. With me, as always, is Mitch. G'day. And today, we're diving back into our childhoods again. Sorry. Yeah, we are. To a movie that came out 35 years ago this 35. month. 35? I'm not 35 years old. I'm no. sure. I'm much older than that, unfortunately. No, but we would have been the right age for this movie when it came out, you I think. think so. And you think it would have stuck with me. What stuck with me. Did it? It did. I watched this a lot when I was a kid. Oh, okay. So we are talking about the science fiction fantasy classic, you could call it. Krull. Krull, yeah. That came out in July 1983, starring... A bunch of people. Ken Marshall, my dancing instructor. Not your dancing no, instructor, no, but no. Another Ken, Ken Marshall. Marshall. Yep. So, yes, it stars Ken Marshall, who I didn't really know no, who he was. He's done a few things. Not much. Lizette Anthony. No. Nope. Hadn't heard of her name either. Trevor Martin as the voice of the beast. No. Nope. Again, didn't mean anything to me. No. Nope. Freddie Jones, who the name rang a bell, and I think he's been in... Pretty that's, much that's every the English guy show. from Scooby Doo, isn't it? He's Fred Jones. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's where they got the name yeah, from. Maybe, but little roles as well by Liam Neeson and Robbie Coltrane. He's got a particular set of skills. He does, but not yeah. in this movie. No, because I later found out that he has. He doesn't even do his own voice in this movie. They dub his voice with someone else. Well, they put an Irish accent in at least. Hmm. They give him that. So, Kroll came out in '83. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw it at the cinema. No, I definitely didn't. But I definitely saw it on video because I can remember the cover of the video with the the floating fortress sort of thing. And And the the, glaive. And the glaive. I was about to say the spinny thing, (laughs) but you've gone the technical because the glaive is the weapon of the movie, which is a five-pointed star with blades on it. Mm -hmm. The original fidget spinner. Is it? Mm, I'd say so. Maybe. Maybe that's where it had the comeback because they realised that Everyone watched Crow when they were kids, like like I did. I don't know about you. But as we all want to do on the podcast here... I well, definitely saw it. I remember seeing it, because I remember the glaive being a big big part of the movie. Like, it's on the front cover. Yeah, it's in the logo. I do remember it, but you say 83? Mm. Do you know what I think about when I say I think 83? What's that? Return of the Jedi? Yeah, probably. So, yeah, that's there was nothing else. No. You know, so even when it came out on video, because we didn't get a video till 84... Mm-hmm. And it would have been Star Wars, Empire, yeah. Jedi. Um, Wrath of Flash Gordon, probably. maybe. Probably yeah. more so. So I did I did get a run, and that was about it. And all right, so, let's, so that, that's my history with it. I do remember watching it early 90s again when I went through that whole, I'm 18, I'm going to watch everything. I'm going to watch everything new. I'm going to go back and watch everything old. And I watched it, and I remember it being not memorable hmm. that time. And then we watched it again last week. Well, for me, I definitely didn't see it in the early 80s. For me, it's more that time when you're kind of old enough to go to the video shop yourself yep. and you hire movies. So five it's for five bucks. Yeah, it, it's probably sort of the later '80s when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I can definitely remember dubbing off a copy Ooh. and just watching this movie a Pirate. lot. So You're the kind of person to download a video. Would you download it? Would you steal a car? No, but if someone <laughs> gave me a copy of it, I'd definitely wear it. Drive it, wear it, do anything with it. But yeah, but no, I can. In that sort of time where I was watching, you know, Conan the Barbarian, Sword and the Sorcerer, all of those swordy type movies, yep. I, I can see myself watching this a lot. Sort of, yeah, probably year nine, well, year ten. Watching this it made me want to go watch Jason and the Argonauts again. Mm. So maybe I was watching that more back then. Probably. Yeah. It just didn't resonate with me, like the glaive did. Yeah. And that's about it. That's all I really remember from it. Well, I think I probably watched this a lot 
back in the day. Mm. And then since then, I've probably watched it two or three times leading up to it, but I probably haven't watched it for about 10 years. Mm. But watching it again when we watched it this time around, there was a lot of scenes where I went, hey, I remember this bit and this is going to happen and, and I kind of knew. Well, I sort of remembered scenes. It's like, no, that's a never-ending story. Yeah. Because I think they filmed in the same place. I think they might have. But basically, it's the story of a, a prince and a, and, a, and a queen or a prince and a, a princess that get married to meld their kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And then just after this happens, aliens come from outer space in their floating fortress, kidnap the girl, and our hero has to go off and find this glade, glaive, glaive. and save the Which world. Which is a sacred weapon. Yes. A chosen one sort of thing. Yeah. And along the way, he meets up with some escaped convicts that become his army. There's a cyclops that comes to their rescue. That- and I remember the cyclops a lot. Conceptually, I like the cyclops. Yeah. There's a lot of good concepts in this. It's the execution which lets it down. And I was saying it when we were watching it last week, because you said it was a massive budget. Yeah. Now, so it was $47 million they spent just on Just a shitload in 1983. Yeah, but it only made $16.5 million. And that's what it deserves, I think. Mm. Oh, bearing the lead of what I think about this film. Yeah. It's, it's just not great. No. It, it has that never-ending story feel to it. It doesn't have that polish of a Star Wars. It's got that ethereal sort of look, like it's smoky. If, if that makes any sense. Yeah. A lot of sets, but you said they filmed a, a lot of it and then they refilmed a bunch. Yeah, so. and I think that's where a lot of the money went mm. because they had an idea of what they wanted this movie to be. They mm. wanted it to be a purely sort of medieval fantasy. Yeah. And obviously 1983 Star Wars had been huge. Mm. We'd already had Empire. I'm not sure if Return of the Jedi had come out by the time that this was released. It would, they, have, been, it would have been known yeah. it was coming at least. So that they went away from the medieval side of things and they decided that they would make it a bit more sci-fi based. And hence, the enemies that come down have swords that shoot lasers. And when they fight with the swords, the swords Spark kind of sparkle. In and, this, yeah. yeah. So what they'd done is they had all these areas filmed, or areas picked out to film on location. But then they decided that everything needed to have a slightly more sci-fi look. So they went to Pinewood Studios in London and built these massive sets Mm. and a lot of the production costs went towards building these sets and some of the sets they only use for like one scene but they had to film Mm. these massive castle scenes where they had a whole castle built almost Mm. so yeah I definitely don't think they spent the money on the cast because they're not huge names the money probably didn't go on the writers because it's not well written (laughs) I must admit I didn't really pay attention like it didn't grab me early so when you're saying they're aliens? Of course. Well, the only reason I think they're aliens is because they f- you had the establishing shot of this rock fortress flying through space and landing on a planet. Yeah. And then they kidnapped the girl. Hmm. How they knew about this, I don't know. They just did. And that's where I was not paying attention as to the unification of the two tribes or whatever it was. Yeah. It was all just happening and I was probably talking to you because it did not captivate me enough to actually pay attention. So, like, conceptually, I think there's some really nice stuff there. You know how we don't like remakes of good films? Why are they remaking Robocop? Why are they remaking this and that? Because you've got a perfectly good film there. Yeah. You could make a good film out of this by remaking it because it's not that good to start with. So you can actually improve on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like the bad guy is like a pretty bad special effect. Yeah. Like he looks like something from Extro, if you remember your <laughs> horror movie covers from VHS yeah. days. And there's a Cyclops, like you said. All right, so let's go through the plot. So she's kidnapped. He gets his band of brothers and he's going to go get her back. And the the fortress moves every night or every day. There's a certain time period every night. So they need to know where it's going to be. And there's a cyclops that's sort of following them. And they they get the Obi-Wan character there who's he's always at 11 with his exposition and serious. 
seriousness. I mean, he's no Alec Guinness, that's for sure. Yeah, that's Freddie Jones. So I think he is the established, well-known actor of oh, the movie. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he, so he's definitely not Alec Guinness. But no. So he, he, yeah. Yeah, so he, he's all doing that, and they come across a Cyclops, and it's, a, it's an okay special effect job for 1983, but we have seen better. I wouldn't say it's a special effect job. It's a, it's a makeup job. Yeah, well, it's a special effect. And I think in one of the trivia, they sort of say that he couldn't see through the prosthetic Well, I was eye. looking at it going, he struggled, because he's very wooden acting yeah. because of that. Like, he was like, I don't think he can see terribly well, but he did move around, because I was watching him move around going, is he just going to stand still for all these scenes? But he did move around a bit, but not a lot. No. Like, and he's a, he's a giant of a man. He was... Oh, well, he went on to be a giant in Hawk the Slayer a couple oh, yeah. of years later, too. And I did look at his IMDb, and he's in <laughs> just about every carry-on film, which got me more excited about <laughs> than anything else. Mm. And they said that the Cyclops aren't born, they choose to be Cyclops, but they give up... Because to become a Cyclops, you give up one eye to give foresight, essentially. You get given the, uh, a thing to see the future, but unfortunately the curse is, all you see is your death. Yeah, so you know exactly when you're going to die. to see when you're going to die. Mm. So he sort of stumbles across these guys and helps them out and, beca- and joins the, the guys. And they get to a point, because they labour it later on, that it's sort of like, he's, he's got to adhere to his fate. And it's like, they sort of have to run on and they're being chased by baddies or whatever. Oh, no, this is where I stop. This is where I stay. And it's like, oh, okay, because he acknowledges his own death, so that's where it's going to be. But if he if he tries to run away from that death, it's it's a fate worse than death. It's, it's horrendous pain. pain. Horrendous yeah. pain, that's right. And so he sort of tells it to three different people. <laughs> but, or either one person saying, oh, what's he saying? It's like, oh, it's his last pain. stand. Yep. This is where he's got to stand. This is what he's got to do. And someone else. So it's like, we get it. All right. So we're, they're really laboring the point that this is his last bit. So they continue on. He stands back to sort of fight off the baddies to give them a bit of time. They get to the castle or the fortress where they're going to go. And he turns up and helps them. And it's like, hang on. I thought you were going to die or you're going to have horrendous pain. And he's yeah. like, well, I've chosen to have horrendous pain. Sort of and I'm glad you explained that to me. Because yeah. I thought, what the fuck did they just establish? Yeah. I was like, oh, so he's, he's giving up even more of a sacrifice to do this. And the chasm, they were walking through a crevice in the side and it was closing in. So he's he's holding it open with his amazing strength. Yeah. And they all slam through and he gets crushed. So that's the horrendous pain I assume. Hmm. But yeah, so along the way they find the widow of the web who is this woman that's in a spider web with With a giant glass spider. Very David Bowie. And it's kind of well done as far as stop motion. motion. It's it's, it's yeah. It's pretty good. Like, if, you know, especially as a 10 to 12-year-old kid, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, the, the Widow of the Web kind of tells them where the Black Fortress is going to turn up next. And they're like, oh, how do we get there quick enough? And they and they find the Fire Mares. Mm, which sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. and they're That's these, metal. These huge Clydesdales that apparently run really, really fast. Yep. But the effect of them riding these Clydesdales really, really fast. Did okay. Like, for what it was. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's not Star Wars sort of quality. But you got these Clydesdales and they're running and they've put flames coming off their hooves where they've run. Yeah. So a bit like Ghost Rider on a horse. I thought some of the green screen didn't quite look that good. It, it was like blurry edges and it that was sort of stuff. not great. But and yeah, but like I said, what if you were to remake this now. Fire mares, how fucking awesome would yeah. they be? With special effects today and things like that. And, the you know, the glass spider would be kind of cool. Yeah, it would be. You know, the swords and that would be so much better than just the, a spark effect yep. that they've thrown on, those sort of things. Well, they did make a big deal about the fact that they were calling them fire mares. And in a couple of the scenes, you could clearly tell that they weren't mares. If you want so- to look at horse dong, that's fine. <laughs> But anyway, they, they ride the fire mares, they find the fortress, they have a big fight at the end. How did the, how did the, the Cyclops get there if he wasn't in a fire mare? Didn't he ride a fire mare as well, but we just didn't see him do it? Well, we don't know what he did. He mm. just turned up. 
that, his magical his powers a of a cyclops. Yeah. But anyway, the, the good guy wins in the end. He uses his magic weapon to kill the baddie and kind of everyone lives happily ever after. Pretty much. Yeah. It just didn't have enough. No, it like, didn't have enough story. But like I said, like there's things there like it had, which is a meme going around at the moment. Someone died in, in quicksand. Yep. Because from the 60s to the 80s, quicksand was a real threat. Yeah. We've obviously fixed it. It's like polio. We've got rid of the threat of quicksand <laughs> because it doesn't seem to be an issue like it was. But I swear it's the same set from Never Ending Story. Yeah, and I've got that written in my notes here, that the, yep. the scene in the swamp where one of their crew dies in the swamp is mm. so similar to that scene. Probably not quite as misty oh. as it was in... And not as emotional. Oh, Fucking, I th- I'm Could crying be- now thinking of our text going down there. Yeah, like, no. because you're not really that attached to the crew member that goes down in the Not attached to anything in this film. No. (laughs) Except the fidget spinner, maybe. Uh, Some of the things this movie does well, though, I thought the effect of the magician character morphing into the goat and morphing into the puppy later on, I thought that was really well done. That wasn't morphing. That's the thing. The first morphing effect was in Willow. Yeah. So this is pre-morphing. So how they did it, I don't know. Mm. Like, it was very good. Yeah. For uh, for its time, definitely. It was, I mean, still, it looks clunky now, but yeah, amazing for its time. That's for sure. It's not quite up to the same power as Willow or, say, the Michael Jackson black or white clip. No. But it still was effective. Yes. So I thought they did that really and well. And they did, like, the bits where they're holding flames in their hands. And it was all just pure, like, you know, double exposure. But actually did well. Like, it, it they moved it well. I've seen it done clunkier. Yeah. So they've done some good jobs. She took the flame out of the, like, the fountain or the font of water. And mm. as she opened her hand, the flame sort of came up. And here I am making the hand motion. But <laughs> I can see. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I thought that was kind of well done. I thought some of the costuming wasn't great. And as I said, when he first turns up in those black leggings with like the leather panels on, I was like, well, he's got his best Epping Plaza leggings on. <laughs> and they they go to this rock formation to find the glaive. And well, I think they had to use, they had a lot of filming to do. Well, yeah. Because they used all of it and showed you it all. Him but, climbing up a rock. I bet that rock was a little bit too shaped like a vagina for my mind. was a bit of that. Yeah. And I was waiting for Kirk to throw a rock at him. He looked like it, the yeah, rock from Gorn when he threw it to the like Gorn. But that's a Star Trek reference. And then there was that other bit at the end when they blew up the fortress and they had to climb down and it was like, well, this is going to take them ages. And then like they, they, two they, seconds later, they're on the ground with no ropes or anything like that. And then fine. Yeah. It's, mm. it's irrelevant. They got down. That's all that so, matters. Yeah. Things that I liked, things that I didn't like. Music was that, good. But the music was good and that yeah. was because it was James Horner. And it didn't feel right. Like it, it was good music. It just was in the wrong movie, I think. It, it didn't work. Yeah. It was really good. Don't get me wrong, but it just sort of felt a bit weird. It mm. wasn't like a tangerine. A tangerine dream probably would have suited better. Well, it was the London Sim- Symphonic Orchestra mm. and James Horner who went on to do Star Trek and a few other things or had previously yes. done Star Trek, I guess, mm. by this stage. But it's funny because when I was a kid, I loved this. Yeah. But then looking at it now, when I was younger than what I would have been when I watched this, so I loved He-Man. Younger than today. And He-Man is the classic outer space mixed with fantasy because you've got swords and axes and magic yep. and, and guns and lasers. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this movie had. Yep. And predates it or about the same time? Well, it predates the He-Man cartoon, but the Master of the Universe toy line and, and that sort of idea of Master of the Universe came out in 82. Yeah, okay. So that would have been before this came out. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But mm. I can see, looking back now, why I liked it as a kid. Because it was in my wheelhouse. Yeah. But another but thing speaking I... Speaking of He-Man, and actually, okay. if, if you wanted to compare this movie to anything, it would be the Master of the Universe movie. In it's sort of derivative and crap. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was directed by Peter Yates, and I didn't know who Yatesy. Peter Yates was. Girl Bates Yates. <laughs> but then when I went and looked at his IMDb, he'd yeah. previously done Bullet, oh. the Steve McQueen 
Okay. Car chase with the Mustang. And he also did uh, a few other things. The Deep, which is like a Jaws sort of spin off, or not spin off, but a Jaws sort of thriller. Yeah. Based in the Caribbean with big sharks and diving and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he also did Mother Jugs and Speed, which was another movie with Racco Welch and Mm. Larry Hagman was in that as well, and possibly Bill Cosby, I think it was. It was Larry Hagman. I thought it was Bert Reynolds. No, I think it was Larry Hagman. Oh, there you go. Where they were like ambulance drivers or something. Ambulance. I I remember watching watching that when I was a kid anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I just watched it for Raquel. Hmm. So I'm kind of glad we went back and watched Krull just for the fact I, that I can sit there and go, hey, I really loved this movie when I was a kid. Let's see if it still holds up. And no, it doesn't. But yeah. yeah. Like I said, because we, we only revisited Jason the Argonauts not long ago. Yeah, I, could still, I could watch that again. Yeah, like after watching that, I won't want to watch it again. Uh, even Flash Gordon, mm. I could probably watch again. So it just comes a level below. I put it up there with the Master of the Universe film. It just felt that same sort of level. And there's problems with the Master of the Universe film because of budget and yeah. a lot of other things there. So this didn't have a budget problem it had a didn't know an identity problem yeah definitely and that's what threw it out yeah well apparently it was big enough for them to have an atari 2600 game based on it it was going to be an atari 5200 game but then they figured that that system wasn't selling enough so they dumbed it down to be for the 2600 i've never played it myself but it might be something worth digging up an emulator Mm. of it for but it's probably out there somewhere be interesting to see what they bring. Yeah. What, they turn that into a game somehow. Well, it's all based on certain levels of the game, so getting through the swamp and climbing the rocks okay. and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think, but yeah, just I just don't remember Atari on. games being that. Like Pitfall was a, as big as a god, probably. And yeah, it, it's interesting though because the last time we did a mini, we watched another thirty-five-year-old film, and we watched Valley Girl, mm. which I had a lot of memories that I thought I had about the movie and going back and watching it, I I didn't remember as much as I thought I did. Mm. But again, this movie, I probably watched a lot more when I was in that sort of impressionable teen sort of era. And again, I do have really fond memories and really vivid memories. Like I knew exactly when the Cyclops was going to pop up behind the bushes and I knew scenes before they were coming. And I was like, all right, this bit's coming, this bit's coming. So I obviously watched this a lot when I was younger. Mm. But yeah, it kind of made me want to go and watch Beastmaster and and Sword and the Sorcerer. And well, Sword and the Sorcerer, because that's all I did. I never looked at my phone a lot during this, so I probably did. It, to, I'm not saying it was badly written. I just wasn't paying attention. So, yeah. therefore, you can maybe say it was badly written. So, therefore, it didn't draw my attention. That's why I didn't pay attention. But either way, let's just say I had my phone in my head a lot. And I brought up that. Do you remember that movie with the guy with the sword with the three prongs and he could shoot one out? And you go, I think it's called Sword and the Sorcerer. I was like, yeah, that one. So, I remember seeing it once. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of want to go and. What's that now? I, I think I've got that downloaded somewhere. Oh. So we might have to dig that up. I think so. See, I, I kind of want to go back and watch Beastmaster. Yeah. But I think Beastmaster was that sort of- I have watched that more often. Yeah. Well, it had boobs. So I think it was in that slightly more- <laughs> Mature. Yeah. It was aimed at a different audience. Whereas this purely is, I think, kids, kids and family. Yeah. Whereas your Beastmaster and- I think even Sword and the Sorcerer might have a few. Oh, I remember it being quite there. not graphic for me. It was graphic because he's he sort of peels skin off and he's yep. a demon underneath or something. And I remember that being full on. Yeah, which one is the one where they've got the big soup bowl and he pulls the eyeballs out of it? Is that Sword and the Sorcerer as well? Oh, uh, that's Beastmaster, I think. Is it? And there's a bit where they stab the eye on the ring with the witch's yep. view and they stab it in the eye with a burnt stick, literally. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I remember that going a bit squeamish. Little mm-hmm. things like that. Now it would be nothing. Yeah. But I remember Beastmaster being a little bit more edgy 
for me at the yes. time. And, and there's no stabby pointy hat in this one like there was in that other movie. Deathstalker. Yeah. Mm. Deathstalker's a bit more rapey than this too, isn't it? It's a lot more adult that Yeah. One. A lot more boobs. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a genre of movies that I watched when I was a kid. Yeah. And they don't really hold up now. No. No. But I think this kind of probably is about as good as it was well, then. I mean, that's the thing, because, I mean, I was bringing up, it's no Star Wars, and the no. thing was, nothing else was. No, exactly. Because, I mean, the special effects, the quality, like we are talking, as much as they call it the most expensive, low-budget film ever, hmm. it was the guys at the top of their game. Yeah. Like, maybe not as a director or as a writer, but Star Wars had acting chops, you know, you could... I mean, if you want to go back, you can pick on Mark Hamill's acting or whatever. But Harrison Ford's pretty damn good. Alec Guinness is a sir for a reason. Yeah. You know. So they gave it a gravitas that Ken Marshall didn't, unfortunately. Yeah. And as, as your wife pointed out, it was quite accurate. And I couldn't stop seeing it. It looked like Chris Pratt with Han Solo's hair. Yeah. <laughs> and he did. I was like, yeah, it is 1980s Chris Pratt. But hmm. he just didn't have Chris Pratt. <coughs> Chris Pratt's charisma. And she actually pointed out as well that as opposed to, say, was it Mark Singer that's in Beastmaster? Yeah. Who is quite well built and gets away with his not having a shirt on for a yes. lot of the movie. Obviously, Ken Masters isn't quite as well built, so he had to cover it up. And he's he was wearing his, a big jacket most and of he's the time. Like, you know, epping leggings. Yeah. And, and she was like, well, I always thought fantasy movies were about buff dudes. Well, Conan ruined that. Yeah. Arnie ruined that. The Barbarian Brothers ruined that. <coughs> No, they ruined a lot of things. So Star Wars was so good. Like yeah. the quality of the special effects were top notch. We're talking people pushing the limits of what was the best they could do. This is my problem with the prequels is the fact that he was at the forefront of technology now going, this is all the new stuff we can do. We can do motion capture. We can do this. We can do that. It's like, yeah, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. Where he told the best story he could with the best special effects at the time with the people on top of their game. Not saying, look what we can do. So, you know, I, I still haven't seen many movies that do what they did then. Yeah. Like the quality of it. So you're looking at this, you know, the lightsaber still looks pretty good even in Star Wars. By Jedi, it looks amazing. You know, in Empire, it looked great too. Hmm. And you look at this and they've got the sparks coming off the swords and it just looks cheap. Yeah, and even the bit when the, the Slayers, who are the, the baddies, where they're shooting their weapons... It really looks like they've just put the light on the negative or whatever after yeah, it, they've it done just, it. It's like it doesn't flow quite as no, well as Star Wars. No, Star Wars is like they've nailed it. Yeah, and not many other movies did after either. No, like you look at it, just it's taken till CG time, modern post ninety three. Really, Jurassic Park sort of was the next stepping stone of special effects that everyone can sort of do something. Like yep. there was that awkward period for probably five years after Jurassic Park where everyone tried yeah. and got away. Like you look at species and going, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, Daredevil has a scene where they drop the rose and they follow it down. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And it dates it really badly. Yeah, exactly. So Star Wars didn't date because it was the best you could do with the technology that's been around forever, but they were the best at it. Hmm. Where this is sort of like, for a budget it had, this is like, really? That's the best you can do? Yeah. And it looked like Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon had a charm to it, and it sort of had a retro vibe to it. Yeah, mm. kind of did. Mm. Mm. See, all I'm doing is talking about other films when we should be talking about this one. So it, it's a sign of a not a great film if you're just comparing it to other films. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. I mean, I wanted to like it. I went in not wanting to hate it. I do remember liking it more when I was younger. Mm. And that's purely because I probably hadn't seen better films. Correct. So now I have. You I didn't can, have 10 years of Marvel films. You no. Didn't have, you know, I, I can look at it with 2018 eyes. Yeah, and you didn't realize, have that aside yeah. to compare it to. Exactly. Not that you would. <laughs> no. Anyway, mm. that's Kroll. It and was. as I said, it's relevant that we are doing it now because, yeah, July 
1983 was when it came out. Fair enough. So happy I didn't birthday, mind Kroll. not going back, but yeah. Hmm. Okay, go away. Not you, the movie. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's probably a nice place for us to go away. I think so. So we will wrap it up now, and we will see you in a couple of weeks for our normal episode. Sweet. All righty. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.